Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis 1 how wonderful it is when God spoke for the first time in creation and how wonderful it was when God spoke for the first time to the prophet Samuel. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or go to the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com. We've got over 500 messages, over 200 hours of teaching and preaching, all there free at friendshipwithgod.org and by searching for the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com. You can also set up a Friendship with God podcast app on your smartphone or smart device. You can learn more information about how to do that by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Get all of Tom Cantor's messages directly on your phone or smart device. Now, Tom Cantor is a scientist, CEO, pastor, and our Bible teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program, but he's also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, and we send out missionaries door-to-door every year. Hundreds of missionaries go to millions and millions of lost Jewish people around our nation, seeking and searching to give lost Jewish people the gospel, to give the Jew first the gospel. Now, we do this every summer. We've reached millions and millions of lost Jewish people, put gospel resources and materials in their hand. But we need your support as we go into these Orthodox, Hasidic, Reformed, and religious Jewish communities, even atheist communities of Jewish people. Now, we need your support, your prayer support most of all, for this 12-week campaign that just started. Now, we also need your financial support of supporting an Israel Restoration Ministries missionary that's going out and giving the gospel to the Jew first. Now, if you'd like to be a part of this campaign with prayer and with a financial support, maybe a one-time or even a monthly donation support to Israel Restoration Ministries, it also supports the Friendship with God radio program. You can call us today at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 3051. You can call us now or after the program to help support what Scripture commands us to do, which is to go to the Jew first with the gospel. Again, that's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or you can donate online to support us at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis how wonderful it was when God spoke in creation for the first time and how wonderful it was when God spoke to the prophet Samuel for the first time. Father, we come to you this morning and each one of us has gotten the dreadful news of, a, of our disease. We have darkness in us, Lord. And we come to you, Dr. Jesus, because you are not only our doctor, but you are our cure. You are the light. And so we pray this morning that you would cause us to hate the disease within us and come to you, our saving light. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, turn if you would, again, here we go. We're going to keep this uh, passage before us because there's, it's so pregnant with meaning. The whole book of Genesis is just, uh, just is, is, is giving birth as we come to each word, each phrase, each, each part of it, it's all new. It's a book of beginnings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved or hovered upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day or day one. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. 
and the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay, so there we have it. Now, from the last week, I'm going to give you a review. It's a little bit of a quiz. Now you like quizzes. So, what four words did the centurion with the six servants speak that tied him into our verse here, in our verses in Genesis 1? Genesis 1. What are the four words? Speak the word only. Those are, never forget those four words. Whenever you think about that centurion with the six servant, remember those four words that he said. Speak the word only. Why? Because those, with those four words, the Lord said he had a special kind of faith. What, what kind of faith did he have? Do you remember? Okay, turn to uh, Matthew 8.8. 8. See that? Okay, Matthew 8.8. 8. That's where we just saw that. And uh, what Clinton just told us, that he said, speak the word only. Matthew 8.8 8 through Matthew 8.10 actually. Tell me now, what kind of faith did he have? A great faith. He had a great faith. It wasn't just a common faith. It was a great faith, he said. This faith, faith was so great, the Lord said, that he didn't find it among the Jewish people. There was a desert uh, 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 in, among the Jewish people, among Israel, for this type of faith. A great faith. Now, what was so great about the centurion's faith? What was it? What are the two things that those four words that he said, what did it show that he believed? The first thing was that he believed Genesis 1-3, that, in the, that God created. That's a little unusual. You know, not everybody believes. Did you know that? Not everybody believes Genesis. I don't know if you knew that or not. But uh, not everybody believes Genesis. Most notably, uh, what's his name? Richard Dawkins, he doesn't believe Genesis. He had a debate a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, a few days ago. Anyway, last week, with uh, the Archberry of, Archberry of Canterbury. He never asked permission if he could use my name for the Archbishop of Canterbury. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He had his debate. And, uh, and, with, uh, and in this debate, he said he wasn't 100% sure that there wasn't a creator. Quite an admission from Richard Dawkins. He wasn't 100% sure. He said he was 6.9 out of 7. I don't know why I took a scale of 7, but anyway, 6.9 out of 7, I don't, not 6.8, 6.7, 6.9 out of 7 that there, that there was no creator. So not everybody believes that. So this centurion believed this. He believed that Genesis is true, Genesis 1, 3 is 2, that God spoke and it was. Second thing, as Scott has pointed out, he believed, which was most remarkable, he was addressing the one who said those words, let there be light. That was amazing. And that was the great faith that he believed there. All right. Everything's new in the book of Genesis. Think of it that way. Everything's new. When we started off in Genesis 1-1, and, from, and we start off there, we learn new things, new things about God. What's the two, give me two words that we learn about God in Genesis 1-1. God creates. Think about it. God creates. That's a remarkable new thing we learn when we come to the book of Genesis. God is a creating God. God is a making God. Now, I want you to, to, to really think about this. Now, you may be thinking, well, yeah, you know, being God created, yeah, what else is new? No, no, no. I want you to come to the book of Genesis like a four-year-old. 
I want you to come like a kid. I, I hope you didn't uh, to, to take me, get me the wrong way when last or a few weeks ago when I said I wish we all had Alzheimer's. I realize Alzheimer's is a terrible disease, but there is a nice part about it. And that is that you, that, that you forget what you knew before, and so you're always discovering things new, even though you've seen it before. That's a nice thing for us to, to, to practice. Do you know that? It's very, very nice. You know, we should all kind of be like that. We should be like... Uh, Bert Poole's song, Never Lose the Wonder of Jesus' Love and What He's Done for You. Never lose the wonder. Never lose the thrill. Never lose the, the, the excitement of it all. And so that's why it's very important. You know, when I was, uh, uh, when I was first saved, I would come and I'd learn things and I'd get out my Bible and I'd, my pencil, I'd say, oh, I can't remember, forget that. So I'd write in here and I'd put all these notes. And before you know it, you couldn't even see the Bible text. There were notes all over the place. And viewers went by and I, I, I totally changed. You can go to any of my Bibles, they're whistle clean. You know. Why? Because I got tired of writing? No. Because... I always wanted to come to the scripture as if I never found, if I never knew it before. I wanted to come to the scripture and, and read that and go, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I kind of knew, but anyway, so, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And go, oh, he healed the man. Oh, that's great. Keep the wonder of it all, the thrill of it all. Okay, first the, the thing we learned about God in, verse, in the first one. God is creating God. Second thing we learned about God in verse two. Very simple four-year-old question. Four-year-old answer, what's the answer? Because it's about God. There was darkness, but it's about God. We're looking for what we learned about God. God creates. God hovers. God cares. That's what we learned about in verse, in verse 2. God cares. God cares. Very important. Very important about, about God. God cares. Okay, now we come to verse 3, and what's, what do we learn about God in verse 3? Two words, four-year-old question, four-year-old answer again. God speaks. God speaks. You know, we don't know that. Again, pretend we got Alzheimer's, but we don't know anything. We, we, we come to it, we go, God speaks. Do you know how wonderful that is? God speaks. You know, it's a phrase, Vayomer is how it says, Vayomer, Vayomer Elohim. It's a famous phrase. It occurs 39 times throughout the Old Testament, and, and it's, it, it's always translated, and God said. It's a wonderful truth. God speaks. But there's a problem. There's a problem. And look at Job 33, 14. Turn to that, please. Job 33, 14. We're talking about the wonder of it all that God speaks. 33, 14. And, uh, okay, so uh, what does it say? It says, okay, you read it. Now let me ask you the question. How many times does God speak? He, he spe- yeah, he speaks once, and then he speaks another time. That makes twice, right? He speaks once, he speaks twice. In other words, he, he speaks and speaks. In other words, he even, can, he even repeats. Even when necessary, he even repeats. But what's the problem? According to that verse, man doesn't perceive. See? For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. That's the problem. It's not a problem that God is not speaking. It's a problem that man is not perceiving that he spoke. Perceiving that he spoke. Why? God speaks in many, many ways. But man doesn't perceive, oh, that was God. 
who spoke there. I want you to turn to a very important passage in 1 Samuel 3, verse 4, which really becomes the, the this passage becomes the marking characteristic of the prophet Samuel for his whole life. And he's just a little boy. And, and of the greatness of Eli in, in teaching, at least Samuel, it's wonderful. Okay, uh, 1 Samuel 3, 4. You have it? All right, here we go. That the Lord called Samuel. So the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called you not. I called, I called, I called not. Lie down again. That's it, Bill. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, is what he said, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I, I, called, I called not my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had, had called the child. Just a little guy. You know. Anyway, therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called him at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Now he's just a little guy. He's just a little child, as it says there. He'd been dedicated to the Lord by his mother Hannah. Wonderful, wonderful about her. Uh, she'd been infertile. Uh, uh, she was infertile. Uh, it's just important to know that in, in some of our research, when we uh, talk with in, uh, infertile couples, or as we did, in interviewing, that's a very serious pain. And um, it usually it's defined if you go two years, you can't have children. Well, she had gone all of her married life, and she didn't have a baby. And it was a serious, serious pain. Oh. You know this uh, child that was uh, murdered over here in Lakeside that was stabbed to death by his little boyfriend? You may have seen that in the news. It is a, a wonderful Christian couple, and the boy was a believer as well. Did you know that they went 10 years in infertility before they had that only child? Think of that. Here's Hannah. She'd gone all of her lifetime, and finally she has this baby. No assurance at all that she would have any other. This for all she knew, this was her one and only. And she gave that child to the Lord. She dedicated him to the Lord. And she said, I'll keep him until he's weaned. You can imagine he was the oldest boy that ever got weaned. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Father might have glared at him. So what do you anyway, and then she gave him to the Lord. And she gave him in the temple there, a little coat and everything. So picture the scene. Here is Samuel in the service of God. He's diligently doing all the work that he's told to do in the tabernacle. He's an obedient little fella. He's, he's just there all the time. He's, 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 he's cleaning up there for the ashes, the sacrifice, everything. He's, he's getting all the ash pans ready. He's getting all the flesh hooks ready. He's an obedient little guy, even to two of Eli's sons that were absolutely wicked, very wicked, but he obeys. 
and he does his job, and he does all the grunt work that's required there, and he's just, he's just, he's just very, he's just doing everything that God expected him to do, that people expected him to do. He's there. There's only one problem, just one problem with him, and it's stated in that verse that we looked at, verse 7, he didn't know the Lord. He was religious. He was all about the service. Oh, he could quote to you the Torah. He was infused with the letter of the, of, the, of the Torah, of the word of the Lord. But he didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the Lord. Kind of tragic when you read that. He knew the service of God. He knew the work of God. He just didn't know the Lord. So there was like this big giant hole in his heart. There was this hollowness, this emptiness, the, this so unfulfillingness of it all. Because it was just, I mean, there was a fulfillment of doing the work, but it was... Oh, religious, dry religious. He didn't know the person of the Lord. We might say he didn't know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, it explains what it meant that he didn't know the Lord. It says the word of the Lord was not revealed to him. He didn't know the Lord. The word of the Lord was not revealed to him. A person can know the Bible backwards and forwards, still not know the Lord. A person can have all the answers and be like Samuel. There is something very important about that. When Paul gave his testimony, remember about his great repentance, Paul gave his testimony on a couple of occasions that we have in the book of Acts. And when he gets to the part about the scales falling off his eyes, we all go, oh no, Paul, could you not tell that part? All right, but, but what Paul emphasized about his repentance and his great change, turn to it, Acts 22, 7. What it shows here in Acts 22, 7 through 8 is what was the issue with Paul that made him saved, that made him a child of God? The issue was one question and one answer. And he fell to the ground in verse 20, Acts 22, 7 through 8. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And that's not the question. And verse 8 is the question. And I answered, who art thou, Lord? Who are you, God? That's the question. Everything pivots on that question. Who is God? You see why the centurion had such great faith? As Scott said, because he knew he was standing in front of the God who said, let there be light. And his name was Jesus of Nazareth. So that was the pivotal point. That was the great faith. This is what happened. He said, and then the answer was, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who, who, who you're persecuting. His whole life was changed. It wasn't a prophecy that the man was born in Bethlehem. It wasn't this scripture or that scripture. It was when he came to the realize, he go, oh, God is Jesus of Nazareth. That's who God is. He's a, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Here's a good question. Good question to ask anyone, ourselves also. Is my relationship with God personal or religious? That's a question. Is it personal or religious? Do I just go through the motions of reading the Bible and praying and coming to church? Or am I really hearing from the person 
who I know very closely, the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a very good question. What does it mean that the word of the Lord was not yet revealed unto Samuel? What's that mean? Well, look back at the passage there. It's very interesting. Look at the passage again. Where were we? First Samuel 3, 4 through 10, on the, that part there. Because we're going to ask the question, we're asking the question, what does it mean that, that, he didn't, that the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him? That he didn't know the Lord. Well, uh, what did Samuel think he was hearing? He thought he was hearing Eli. God was calling him. He thought he was hearing Eli. Samuel didn't recognize what? God's voice. He didn't recognize God's voice. Exactly. He didn't recognize God's voice because he didn't know God yet. He didn't know the Lord. You know, you may be in church today. Well, you are in church today. You may be in church. Of course you're in church today. <laughs> what a thing to say. <laughs> you're in church today. <laughs> and the teacher or the preacher is speaking, and you might be like Samuel. Do you ever think about that? You might be like Samuel. God could be speaking through the teacher or the preacher, and, and you could be thinking you're just hearing the voice of the preacher or the teacher only. That you're not, you're, 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 we need to get good at recognizing the voice of God. We need to get good at recognizing the voice of God. Think about how good Eli was to instruct Samuel. That's why I say this is really crowning point in Eli's life, crowning point in Samuel's life. Think about how good he was. He said to him, Samuel, little guy, he says, uh, go back there and say, speak, Lord Thy servant heareth. That was great advice. I mean, think of me like Eli. I want to be like Eli to you. That's why I got fat, so I could look like Eli to you. (laughs) Think of me like Eli. Think of you like Samuel. And like Eli said to Samuel, I'm saying to you, when I speak, I want you to say to God, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And whenever you come to church, whenever you it, it, take Eli's instruction, that's why it's a crowning time for Eli. Take Eli's instruction, say privately to God, when you come into the, to, to the chapel here, if it's the worship service at 9.30, it's the teaching service at 10, if it's the preaching service at 11, whatever the service is, say before you come in, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. You come to your morning devotion time alone with God. Do the same thing. Never view that time as on a checklist that you just check it off and you're done. Don't do that. Tell God, you must hear from him this morning. Well, I must hear from you, Lord, this morning. I must. I must. Why? Turn to John chapter 6, verse 63. John 6, 63. There's something here that's very, very important not to miss. John 6, 63. Here, Rabbi Jesus is teaching us, our rabbi. And he says these words, It's the spirit that quickeneth, that makes alive. It's the spirit that quickeneth, or makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, They are spirit and they are life. There's something that the Spirit of God does that makes all the difference in the world. 
I hope you're in the practice to ask God to fill you with his spirit. And you remember how we said to, about the centurion that he was very specific in his prayer? It's very important when you pray that prayer to be filled with the Spirit that you are very specific, especially today, on who you want to be filled with. It's very important in the Bible to identify what the Spirit does and to say, fill me with the Spirit that quickens. Don't fill me with some other spirits that are... Anyway, we're not going to go there. Fill me with the Spirit that quickens because the Spirit will make the Word of God alive to me. How? Because it will be no longer just the Bible, but it will be the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words that I speak unto you. You see how personal that is? The words that I, first person, speak unto you, individual. They are spirit and they are life. Or you can look at it in other words, the words that I re-speak to you, the words that I illuminate to you, the words that I reveal to you, the words that I put fluorescent lights on to you. They are, they, they are life. They are spirit and they are life. He takes the Bible and he makes it so that they're personal messages from God to you, to me. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Our resource of the month for a $20 or more donation is Tom Cantor's book that he's paralleled the life of Joseph and the Jewish people and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. Get this wonderful book by Tom Cantor for a $20 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. Call us today at 800 247 3051 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, that's 800-247-3051. Or you can donate online to support us at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Get The Life of Joseph by Tom Cantor for a $20 more donation. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore.